inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me is the rested, rejuvenated, recharged Benjamin Solak, who is back from his bachelor party adventures. And according to the source of his own, he's feeling a lot better, correct? I am. I don't sound great, but... I think you I'm sound definitely. better. I, think you, I sound you, better. You sound much less like you're running your life. voice through a through a like a what is it called the like it what's the what's the word for like the voice changer modifier is that the word is that the common word what what, is, what are you talking about right now like you what's know how like? you know how like when when people sit down to do the like those crime shows and they like admit to things oh, but they like do it from modulators that modulator that's it i'm there now i'm with you at first i was like trevor that's a microphone that's what we used to do <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, I was saying like two days ago when we were doing the podcast, you sounded like, like you were like you were confessing. Like I was concealing my identity. Yes, yes. Like I was going to knock out all the bridges and trains in Gotham City and hold it hostage (laughs) to make a point about people. You know that's not a bad idea though. Could be a good way to rise to power. For sure, for sure. You know the end result. Make sure I leave the Batman in a pit somewhere in the Middle East. (laughs) I love how they call him the Batman. You know, it's not just like Batman. It's always like the Batman. Uh, Anyways. Anyway, podcast. Yeah, we're not here to talk about Batman, although tomorrow on Fan Friday, if you guys want us to talk about Batman, fire it away. I guess uh, you you could have us talk about Batman if you want. What we got to talk about before that, though, is a jam-packed wildcard weekend we got coming up in the NFL. Ben and I have been previewing... All the NFL games every single week, we've been doing it from a betting perspective, but since I officially took the regular season crown... I guess it. I guess it's not official because Joe didn't tell us the final tally yet. Big shout out, Joe! Thank you so much but, for for keeping score yeah. uh, all year, Joe. You're the best. You know that me, Ben and I are bad at math, so we wouldn't have been able to do it. So thank you for everything that you've done to keep track of that and make sure that Ben knows that I am better at picking games than him. We're not going to do bets for the wild card in the playoffs. But we are going to at least mention the lines as we preview all of these games. First game, Saturday, 435. The Buffalo Bills travel to the Houston Texans. Texans at home are favored by two and a half. Ben, we're not necessarily picking these games, but knowing that the Texans are the favorite at home, how do you feel about this matchup? What are you looking forward I to? Think, I think the Bills smack them around, man. I, I do don't. too. Yeah. I do too. That's in. We have a Texans team that is on that has had okay limited in practice on Wednesday. Will Fuller and Kenny Stills, and we've seen demonstrably that Watson splits when Will Fuller is on and off the field are drastic. From Kevin Cole at PFF, this was uh, December twenty sixth, so after the last week of the season, uh, twenty nineteen. Fuller on the field. Watson drop back is 78.2 EPA on 337 plays, which is, like, good. Uh, and then off the field, 247 total plays, negative 4.3 EPA. Fuller being off the field makes Deshaun you gotta Watson... Explain, you got to explain what EPA is. You got to explain right, the EPA there, to right. good people. Okay, okay, okay. So, what this essentially means is that when Will Fuller is off the field... yes. A Deshaun Watson drop back is essentially an average play. It is an average quarterback drop back. It is the league standard for quarterback dropbacks. Jameis Winston, on the field, is, is, does Jameis Winston, is he included in the average? 
Yes, he is. Okay. I have no idea what he does to the average, but he's in there. Probably so, plummeted from a turnover yes. perspective. He's just an average quarterback. When Fuller is on the field, Watson is the quarterback that we expect of Watson and we love of Watson and we 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 think Watson is. Now, there's a worthy conversation here, Trev, which is if taking away Will Fuller makes Watson an average quarterback, is Watson as good as we think he is in a vacuum? Now, this is the rub. This is the question. How good are quarterbacks outside of their supporting cast, their offensive line, their play caller, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But right. Right. for the purposes of just this game, you have one of the best secondaries, one of the most talented secondaries in the league facing a team that's likely going to be down their top two wide receivers, one of whom, the field stretcher, namely, has a drastic impact on the on the offense and how effective it is when he's out. And with Fuller out, your backup field stretcher is Kenny Stills. And he's not going to play. Or, I mean, he's questionable as well. So even if we get Fuller and we get Stills, we're probably not getting them at 100%. Mm-hmm. And accordingly, you do not expect the passing game in Houston to be as good, as successful as it has been for a team that is here now trying to make the playoffs. Are they able to run the football? I mean, yes, Carlos Hyde has had a better game in the stead of Lamar Miller than I think anybody could have expected him to. He rushed for over a thousand yards. Sure. He's averaging like, you know, whatever it is, 15 carries a game. Great. I don't think he's a big threat to the Bills. Run no, he's just, I don't, I don't think that Hyde by himself is necessarily a threat. I think what he's been to the Texans offense has been complimentary to what they've needed for Deshaun Watson. So I, you could still, not to interrupt you there, but like you could still nod to Carlos Hyde being valuable and having a good year and also make sure that people know that, hey, if the Texans probably don't have uh, one or two of their top offensive passing weapons, Hyde's not going to be able to be like a takeover guy. Like he is what he is for the Texans. You can't be like, okay, we're down these guys. Let's just increase Hyde's importance and carry load because I don't think you're going to see that same return on investment. Right. So it's so to me it's a limited offense without Fuller on the field facing what has generally been a suffocating defense even against good passing attacks so yeah. far this year in Buffalo. So now we're looking at can the Buffalo offense be consistent enough right to put together a on the road performance of 20 plus points to win a game against a Houston Texas team that like can score, right? Like I'm like no fuller, but like this team can is one of the better offenses in the league. I think they can again, like trusting Josh Allen, not fun, but I think that he's going to be able to win a playoff game. But necessary. Yeah. I I think that we have enough good Allen, which we don't have a lot of good Allen, but I think we have enough good Allen that we can expect that the bills are able to win this playoff game on the road, which is huge. Last time the Bills won in the playoffs, Trevor. Yes. Uh, so it was, let's see, they've been 24 seasons. It was the 1995 AFC wild card round. Yes, which Since was also that, the last time that they won the division. Right. Since then, uh, they've made it to the playoffs four times, 96, 98, 99, and then 2017, and have lost every single wild card game that they've played in. This is a big deal. This is Buffalo. It's the third longest. It's Cincy, Detroit, and then Buffalo. So for for the the Bills who think that they've got it and did it in a way that's very hotly contested in terms mm-hmm. of drafting Josh, in terms of is Brian Dabble good offensive coordinator, so on and so forth. 
this game is a huge statement game for them to prove that they're in the right direction. I think they should beat Houston. I think they can't beat Houston. I think they should beat Houston too. Um, it's an interesting – while you were saying that, I was thinking to myself – what do we think the better or more favorable matchup for the Bills was? Was it against Jacksonville in 2017, knowing that obviously Jacksonville's defense was what it was, but on the other side, there was Blake Bortles too? Or is it easier going up against this Houston Texans team with not as good of a defense as the 2017 Jaguars, however, still hosting at home and a better quarterback in Deshaun Watson? I think I would say... That this, uh, I think I would say that the Jaguars one was easier because I think if you take this Bills offense even and apply it to that Bills Jags game, I think the Bills might win that game. This one's still up in the air, although I do agree with you, I would be taking the Bills as well in this game. I think they're going to win just because I don't necessarily trust the Texans. You know, when I was watching the Bucks versus the Texans a couple weeks ago, the Bucks all but gave that game away so many times, right? I mean, just interception, interception after interception. And there the Bucks were at the end of the game, had a chance to win it. And the Texans only won it 23-20. to 20. I just don't know if this Texans team is as good as they need to be to beat a team that is very controlled, what's going to be very focused, and I think very motivated in the Buffalo Bills. You noted the... Playoff history that they have had, I'm sure that's in the minds of a lot of people. Even if it's not necessarily what the team or the players or the coaches necessarily think about right away. Because I do think it's funny, like, oh, you know, I think it's hilarious those stats where they go, oh, the Bills are, I'm just saying this This is out of nowhere. The Bills are 0-6 versus Houston in, uh, in their all-time matchup. Okay, tell me what a matchup in 2002 has anything to do with the matchup that's being played here. So I think that's that, like precedent. You think that that Houston's not in Bills Bills heads? Hey, listen, Trey Davis White. When you were seven, we beat you. <laughs> right? Like, Suck it. I think I think those stats are really hilarious. But in terms of not having a playoff win in a long time, even though I don't think that's the first thing that players and coaches think about. I'm sure they've heard it from the fans. They hear it from the radio. They hear it from the media quite a bit. They know the importance of this game. And I think this is a team that rather than maybe crumble under expectations or at least like having a chance to achieve something, this feels like a group in Buffalo that would be controlled and turn that into motivation enough to make it happen. So I would pick the Bills as well. Texans are just a little bit beat up, and I don't think that they're dynamic enough, even though I love Deshaun Watson. I think if they're going to win this game, it's solely going to be on the shoulders and the feet of Deshaun Watson. I just don't know if he can get it done. The Bills are playing such great defense. If the Bills were a little bit worse defensively, this one gets more interesting to me, but I'm picking Buffalo. Don't have too many reservations about it. Later that day, Saturday night, 8-15, Tennessee Titans in Foxborough facing the New England Patriots. Patriots, Ben, going into the postseason on a losing streak. Imagine! Imagine! Here we you are. Just, Patriots Patriots are favored by five. Hey, you know you do? I, no, I don't. I don't hate to see it. I love it. I love to see it. And that's not even because, like, I'm a giant Patriots hater. I mean, like, I'm kind of a Patriots yes, hater is. at this that's point. But I'm not I'm a giant, giant Patriots hater. I'm only, like, buck seventy, like, 5'11". You know, I'm not giant. But I am a fan of seeing the Patriots have to go through a different path 
the dominance was fun. The dynasty was was enjoyable to watch, I guess, from a appreciating greatness standpoint. Certainly, if you're a uh, fan of a team within the division, you probably hated it. But now, this is a different look for the Patriots. If they are going to advance in the playoffs like they often do, they're going to have to do it a different way. This Titans team, very unpredictable. And where I think the Patriots are going to win this game because if you have a lack of identity in whatever it is you're doing, Bill Belichick has a tendency to mentally destroy you if you aren't consistent enough in what you do. Now, the Titans could catch fire. They could win this game. I recognize that as a possibility, but I'm not picking the Titans. Ben, are you picking the Patriots to be a uh, wild card and out playoff team this year? You said you're picking the Patriots. No, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am picking the Patriots, yes. Yeah, no, I think the Titans win it. Um, as a couple reasons. One, Patriots defense. Best defense of the decade. Best defense of, of the century, of the millennium. Wow. Calm uh, down. Of all time forever, right? No. They haven't been that good in recent weeks. Recent weeks they haven't been that good. And and this was predictable because after like week six, when they had generated like 28 turnovers and scored 12 touchdowns off of them, it was going to regress. Fumbles were not going to bounce into their hands as easily. Interceptions were not going to, you know, get deflected into their laps. And so as the fum as as the the turnover rate has regressed, and then the results of the plays off of the turnovers have regressed, the offense is worse and they're not getting like free runs into the end zone. Time of possessions leveling back out. And while they still suffocate on yardage pretty well, and they still, you know, get off the field on third down really successfully and they get pressure despite not having premier pass rushers and they rush with four, whatever. Gave up 28 to Houston, 23 to Kansas City, 24 to Buffalo, 27 to Miami. That's four of the last five games. Yeah. 13 to Cincinnati was the only game there. And here's the problem with Houston, Kansas City, and Buffalo, Trev. They're all in the playoffs. So the, the, you, you're giving up a consistent amount. Of, we didn't even talk about Baltimore before the bye week. gave up 30. So to AFC teams in the playoffs, this defense is, is giving up a decent number of scores. And the offense can't respond to that. With a, a, a high power game where they're fighting in the in, in like you know in a shootout where they're going punch for punch on offense, they simply don't have that. I mean, Julian Element is is going to be a goal for this week, but Element is markedly at less than hundred percent. He has a knee and a shoulder injury. He's their mm-hmm. only receiver. He's beat up. So offensively, they cannot keep pace if their defense isn't exclusively keeping them in the game at like ten to seven, ten to three, seven to three, thirteen to ten, whatever it is. They they can't cover two score deficit. They're not going to be able to play from behind, passing the football and get back to it. Which brings us to Tennessee. What's the one thing that Tennessee has done very weirdly well on offense this year? Randomly with AJ Brown, randomly with Ryan Tannehill. Don't know uh, I was, who could have seen I was, I was going to say I was going to say start Ryan Tannehill as my right, what have yeah. they done weirdly well? I was going to say start right. Ryan Tannehill. So for me, the thing that they've done very weirdly well, Tennessee, is they've generated explosive plays. A.J. Brown leads all rookies in receptions of over 40-plus yards. Tannehill has one of the best completion percentages over expectation, one of the best yards per target ever, right? Like, he's, he's got, like, the fourth-best QBR or something any season. Uh, uh, more than 70% of his passes, Tannehill's completed at more than nine yards per attempt. Last person to do that was Montana in 1989. So, so they're getting the ball down the field. So – Tennessee can chunk play you. Mm-hmm. And so even if you get good Patriot defense, even if you get 
first half of the season Patriot defense. Yeah, giving Tennessee up the explosives. Does not, Tennessee does not need 12 plays, 12 play drives to score on you. They need one. That's how they've been doing it. They've been ripping off these huge chunk gains. So you're going to get Stephon Gilmore and A.J. Brown. And you're going to get Devin McCourty. Or not no, not David McCourty, the other McCourty. On um, John New Smith. And you're going to try to take a, a, a away the, the threats they've had in the red zone. You're going to try to take away uh, Brown on the deep routes. Whatever. But if Tannehill continues to play the level he's been playing at, and the, Patriot, uh, the Tennessee Titans continue to rely on play-action passes, they will get one-on-one opportunities deep. And that's where they've won. Now, the easy counter-argument is what? Well, explosive plays are unsustainable. Right. Especially at this rate. Right. Ryan yeah. Tannehill is not Joe Montana. He should not be playing this well. Right. There's no right. way they're actually that good. If there's a defense that's going to potentially expose you, it's the Patriots. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to be betting against what Tennessee has done stepping into this game thus far. Obviously, they lost the Saints game and they lost the Texans game, so they've lost two of their last three, but they were tight and close in both of those games. They both ended with bigger score deficits than they actually were, uh, namely the Saints game did. Uh, but that Texans game, they generally controlled. They just had some some uh, turnover errors, some bad turnover luck that killed them. And then besides that, I mean, it's been winning five of their last seven. Big win over the Chiefs, big win over the Colts. Like, it, it's... This is a, uh, they've generated consistent explosive offense, which is seems like a misnomer, but they're yeah. doing the right things from an analytics perspective. So to me, like it's three plays, 17 points from those three plays. I don't see how the Patriots keep pace with that. Uh, uh, no, and if they hit them, they certainly won't, right? I, I mean, if they can hit on a lot of those explosive plays, we've talked before about uh, why the Patriots aren't as dominant as they were before. And I think that's, that's the part right there, but I, I've got to think... I've got to think that Belichick and the rest of that coaching staff kind of recognizes where the Titans have been able to beat other teams, right? They've been in a lot of close matchups, I think, throughout the year. They, they've they lost, I think, most of the better teams that they've faced. If I'm looking at it, I'm not... I mean, the Chiefs game was... The Chiefs game, they kind of should have lost, right? Because of the... What was the... Um, that was a bad beat game, right? That you said really burned you? That Chiefs-Titans game? I can't remember. Oh, something happened. Let's was, look at the game. It was, it was. I felt like it was a play where you looked at the Chiefs were going to okay. win. Look, looking, looking at the, uh, looking at the win probability on ESPN. Yeah, and the Chiefs had a ninety-eight point two percent win probability with one forty-two left. Oh, it was this fucking game. That's what I'm saying. Oh, they should They shouldn't have really beaten the Chiefs. They shouldn't have really beaten the Buccaneers. They beat the Colts, but, like, the Colts aren't that great. Okay, they beat the Raiders. They lost to the Texans when the Texans were playing with everybody. They lost to the Saints, and then they beat the Texans in the last game of the season, but it didn't matter. That last game of the season didn't matter. So I'm not saying that the Titans don't have the ability to get it done, but from what you are saying of how they've gotten it done, I feel like that has been against some of the worst teams that they've played. And I've got to think that Belichick and the rest of that defense goes about as bend or bend but don't break as you can and says to the Titans offense, hey, you can beat us. We're going to give you the formula to outscore our team, but you better do some double-digit play drives or it's not going to happen. And I don't know if we're going to get that consistent enough of a team from the Titans, from Ryan Tannehill, especially on the road. So that's where I mean you're right. Tennessee's been Tennessee's been killing it with the the explosive plays. I didn't realize it was that much. I mean, like that was those are some 
those are some pretty great stats, especially from from AJ Brown, who's having a great year. I've just got to think that the Patriots kind of allow them to come into their trap, if you will. I'll, I'll have faith in Belichick in Foxborough in the playoffs for this one. I got the tight, or I got the Patriots. Um, I don't know about covering. I'd probably, I'd probably go with the Titans with the five points, but I do think the Patriots are going to win the game. Sunday slate: Minnesota Vikings at. New Orleans Saints, this game's at 1 p.m. Eastern time. The Saints, Ben, biggest line of the week. Yeah. Favored by eight in the Superdome. The Superdome's getting a lot of action. You realize that? Yeah, dude. Last night we had the Sugar Bowl was there with Georgia and Baylor. Now they got the Saints and the Vikings. They could very well have the Saints and the Vikings the next week, and then the next day is the national championship. Give me a fun day. Give me a fun week. It is a Mercedes-Benz Superdome is a phenomenal place to watch a football game. Uh, eight points. That's a lot of points, Ben. How confident you are? How confident are you that the Saints can get it done? Yeah, no, Saints. This is, I think, the one. This is okay. I, I don't really know where I'm going to fall on Eagles Seahawks. I'm going to be doing like a lot more work on that game over the next couple of days. But for right now, this is the one game where I'm actually taking like the home, you know, top four seed guy team who actually is not a wild card won their division i think the saints are able to win this game i think the saints are able to control this game now dalvin cook says he's going at full speed says he should be back for this game which is obviously a big deal in minnesota that being said running the football in the saints not the easiest way to get the ball down the field on this team you're going to need to be able to win in the passing game you're going to need to be able to win against a high-scoring offense, so you need to be able to put up 28-plus. Don't see it from the Minnesota offense, and certainly haven't seen it from the Minnesota offense recently and in big games. And that's your big concern when it comes to the Vikings and when it comes to Kirk Cousins, right, as we very famously joked about with Cousins and, and, and relying on him in key spots. You know, two touchdowns spread against the Lions, prime time against the Packers, mm-hmm. has struggled. Right, and so they had the uh, they had the game against the the Seahawks where they made a late surge, but they weren't able to win that one in prime time. They had the the Packers game where they their offense was generally stymied and controlled that entire time. So they've done a good job beating up on some bad competition, but this has not been a team that looks to control the game successfully for four quarters against premier competition. Yeah, which is what you're getting in the New Orleans Saints. Right, the Saints defense, and 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 I got a lot of. I got yelled at on Twitter by you. you? No. Yeah. Oh, by San Francisco 49ers fan. That's you. who it was. Oh, Which, dude, I've gotten yelled at by 49ers fans a lot. Actually, yeah, like we, I have a cool, I have a cool relationship with the 49ers fans. Um, because I got a bunch of buddies who were in 49ers Twitter, but I genuinely did not believe in the 49ers this year, and I held off for the longest time. And they all the time, like every week, were just like poking at me, and they're like, "When are you gonna believe? When are you gonna believe? When are you gonna believe?" So. They're uh yeah they're they're a feisty bunch. I like I like Niners fans, but anyways, I'm sorry that they yelled at you, but you probably deserved it. What was it for? No, but that's the thing is like we, this podcast we tend to uh, piss off Niners fans. But anyway, um, still love you guys. I, it, it's because I said that the Saints. I wasn't convinced that the Niners were the best team in the NFC. Oh. I said I think that it's the Niners or the Saints, and they said, "Well, we beat the Saints in New Orleans," and I said, "Yes," in a 52 to 49 game or something bananas like that. Which, like, the thing about games with 100 total points in them, 
is that they're rather unpredictable. In terms yeah, like of you you could run it you could run it back ten times and you might have right five different you might you might have like split decisions every time you know. Well, that's the thing is like in the obviously this this framework is cheating because it works in the other direction. But if you were to like be like, hey, San Francisco 49ers fans, you gave up forty eight points to the Saints. Did you beat them? Nine out of a hundred times is no. Now the same is true for Saints fans of the Niners, like I said. But it's the the the, the point being that. Your team is not built to win games where you have to score 45-plus points. That's not how the Niners want to win football games. So kudos for beating the Saints. Very tough to beat the same team twice in a year. That's a, an important note. But anyway, the Saints are getting healthier. The Saints got Andrews, Andrews Pete back. The offensive line, the starting five are now in there. Uh, Vaughn Bell and Marcus Williams apparently both should be a go for this game, which is a big deal for the safety room. So – should be able to run the football more consistently. Alvin Kamara obviously has had a bit of a weird season, but should be able to wake up with that a bit. Should be able to control the defensive backfield as well. Saints are just a better roster than the mm-hmm. Vikings have. Drew Brees isn't what he used to be, but I think he's still a better quarterback than what you got at Kirk Cousins. So to me, this is a game that, that the Saints should control pole to pole. <sighs> yeah. I think this could There's nothing be- worse than the dejected Trevor Sigh of like, yeah... I can't disagree with you. I mean, like, I can't, like, at all. I th- I think the Saints are going to win this game, and they think they're going to win it clearly. I, I just, it, it it 100% boils down to me, like, who do you trust more, Kirk Cousins or Drew Brees? Okay, well, uh, Drew Brees, obviously, and, oh, wait, Drew Brees is at home. They're going to have all the energy in the world. That defense is getting healthy again, like you just said. I know they're getting Pete back. I fully trust that Alvin Kamara is going to bounce back and really start to turn it around now that the playoffs are here. I- My prayer is that Marcus Williams gets, like, a... Uh, uh, recovery play from the Minneapolis Miracle, right? That's what I hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, I was talking to my uh, family who lives in Philadelphia who are diehard Eagles fans, and I was telling them that I think it's hilarious that like, if the Eagles ever play a team in the playoffs, I can't remember if I talked with you about this yet, but if the Eagles ever play a team in the playoffs – even if they don't really play them very often, it's just like, yeah, screw them forever. And it's like they hate them. Do you hate the Vikings, like, as an Eagles fan? No, I don't. I don't. But here's the issue, okay? So we agree that Eagles fans are some of the most rambunctious, impassioned. Correct. Obnoxious. All right. Fans, fan bases, right? And, like, the thing is, like, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Eagles are otherwise. So we start there. When you're like as online as we are, right? You interact with other teams' fan bases in the week approaching the game, mm-hmm. and because Eagles fans have this reputation, other fan bases that are like generally like pretty tepid, i.e., the Vikings fan base, tries to get up to like the mudslinging level of Philadelphia, which is just an objectively poor decision. Because it does not matter if we win or lose, get absolutely destroyed, absolutely destroy you, whatever. Obviously, in the case of the Vikings, 38 to 7, screw you. But, like, do not try to engage with us on our home turf. Our home turf here being very rude and unkind and unreasonable. Just don't do it. Like, I just think no. it's hilarious how they're like, yeah, screw Vikings fans. I'm like, what do you, what you have never... anything to do with Vikings fans? You played you one could... game. You could never make us feel worse about our team than our teams make us feel about our teams. That's the most – like, we are immortal and invulnerable because we are just mired in despair. It was just like hilarious everything. because 
the Vikings scored seven to open up that game, right? And then it was yeah. an absolute blowout from that moment yeah. forward. Like, the game was not close. Like, it was not chippy till the end. The Eagles dominated basically that entire contest. And yet, still, Eagles people that I talked to were just like, yeah, screw Minnesota. We hate Minnesota. It just, just don't come with smoke that you will not be able to handle the repercussions. They can't like you know they came and they like like you know like did a little skull chant on the rocky mm. steps right and like that's fine like you know trash talking whatever and if we had lost cool we still would have criticized that as cringy as all heck all get out we would have probably attacked somebody if we're being honest there's videos of that as well which isn't good but like it's just there's like. Like just the, the Sixers beat the Bucks on Christmas Day, and the Milwaukee SB Nation account got like wild, spicy about like dirty city, dirty players, whatever. Just like stop doing this, Midwest. You're not you're not built for this. All right, this is Philadelphia. We were born and raised upset. Like you can't. <laughs> you're not. You don't have we were born disgruntled. We were right angst now. at birth. You just don't have the constitution for this. It's like it's like you know. Like, oh, don't think I just, missed that line. You don't have the constitution for this. Don't think I missed yes. that. Thank, I appreciate it. So just, you're not made for this. Just, just uh, under uh, understand and accept the fact that from the Monday to Sunday when you play us, you're gonna feel bad about yourselves because we're an unkind people, and that's just the way these things go. And if you want to be able to step to our level, it requires generational work of. <laughs> massive sports related sadnesses and disappointments we've won three championships in like 50 years this is the cost <laughs> so yeah yeah i got so anyways all that to say i get new orleans i don't really know how minnesota is able to keep up with the saints they're just rolling i think their offensive weapons are too good i think their defense is too good they're two very good teams but i have no doubt in my mind that the vikings are going to lose this game which means that i cannot wait to hear from minnesota people when they do upset the saints because that's just how it goes because god hates me 2020 same thing eagles hosting the Seahawks, Battle of the Birds. You guys can't even say go birds this week. How embarrassing is that? Oh, absolutely we can. Seahawks what are you going to say? What are you going to say? It's a dirty sea rat. Listen the to Seahawks me. fans are going to come into Philly and start saying go birds. It's a bat with a horn for a beak. Seahawks on the it. road are favored by a point and a half. Uh, Seattle... As uh, Kevin Clark from The Ringer would say, Seattle has never played in a normal game ever. They're going up against an Eagles team in which every single game that they have played in here in the 2019 season has made zero sense. So it's a, uh, uh, what is it? An immovable force meeting? No, what is it? It's a unstoppable a force meeting yeah. an immovable object. That. That's what we have here. Battle of the Birds. Then I'll let you take the floor completely and tell me what you think of this matchup only because you just told me like 10 minutes ago that you still don't know where you're going to lean on this game. So I want to hear you I want to hear you speak out your thoughts as they happen into your mind and listen to you contradict yourself like 8 times. All right, so one play game? Uh is this a trick? Is this a saw movie? No, real oh. real game. Okay. Sure. I'm going to just Name some players who did some things in Philadelphia, and you and I cover the draft. 
Mm-hmm. And I want you to be able to tell me where this dude went to school. Okay. Ready? Right. Start with an easy one. Him who received six targets in each of the last four games and was the NFC player of the week in week 17, Boston Scott. Uh, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, so, right. Sixth round pick of the Saints. Or no, UDFA? UDFA. So, sixth round pick. Sixth round pick of the Saints out of Louisiana Tech. How about 41-yard key reception on an Eagles go-ahead drive, wide receiver Deontay Burnett? This is a good one. Oh, wait. Deontay Burnett's my boy. He played at USC. There it is. Well done. Dude, I love Deontay Burnett. I know you love Deontay Burnett. That's why I gave you that one. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Him of a 39-yard reception, which was called back for a a holding penalty, but was still a very impressive catch. Please Please say Matt Collins. Robert Big Bob Dave Collins was cut like six weeks ago. <laughs> I know, but I, I know that one's UNC, so that's all good. <laughs> Robert Big Bob Davis. Robert Davis. Uh, Bobby Davis. Um, I'm going to go with Arizona State. Correct conference. Oh, okay. Me, no, no, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Incorrect conference. I was thinking about the next guy I'm going to ask you about. He was Georgia State. <laughs> Robert okay. Davis is Georgia okay. State, but here's a hint for the next guy. Yes. Uh, new tight end two, Josh Perkins, who had six targets in, in Zach Ertz's absence in the Week 17 game, went to what university? Josh Perkins. I think I know this. I think I know this. Did Josh okay. Perkins go to UCLA? Josh Perkins went to Washington. Okay, see, I was close. <laughs> right, see, I was because close. I gave you conference. <laughs> um, these players that I just listed, who, you know, who knows who they are. I'd be really bad at current Eagles trivia. Right. Don't invite these me. These players Well, I actually invite me because I want, the, I want the wing deal. I want the wing special, you know, the 50-cent wings. But I won't contribute right. to the team. Very fair. Dallas Goddard will be the primary target getter at tight end. Mm-hmm. Miles Sanders will be the primary target getter or touch getter at running back. Mm-hmm. Greg Ward will be the primary target getter at wide receiver. Wait, Everybody really? else I just named, that's the depth. Those are the next guys. Wait, Greg yeah. Ward? Yeah, Greg Ward. The Eagles' we'll, number one receiver. Will be wide receiver one. Ward. Yeah, he is wide receiver. He, Trevor, over the last four weeks, Greg Ward has got nine, nine, five, and seven targets because Alshon's been out. Meanwhile, Artega Whites has gotten three, two, two, and zero. They drafted this kid in the second round. And they don't throw the ball to him. Is it just because he sucks? Because he's not good. I don't know what happened. They just don't throw it to him. It's highly wow. concerning. I would say that that's bad for our brand, but we've never been wrong on a prospect, so you got to give exactly. it time. So this is exactly what we expected. Um. Right. I mean, it's, 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 this is where we are. Greg Ward has got, has averaged eight targets over the last four games, and the Eagles have won all four games. Zach Ertz is out. Zach Ertz is a lacerated kidney. They think he's playing. He's not playing. He can't. He would die. Josh Perkins, who's like 234 pounds, is their wide receiver, too. They try to block with him. It doesn't work. Boston's got, it's like 5'8 which is fine. Short guys forever. But the (laughs) point here being, the Eagles' offensive skill position players are fascinatingly injured. Like, it's like, like, I don't think there's ever been a less experienced offense in the playoffs before. Like, if you just took away the veterans on the offensive line, which 
two of the Eagles veterans, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks, both won't be playing in this game for what it's worth. This is by far the rookiest, youngest offense you could that just I can green, remember. The greenest. Yeah, green. Green is great. It's one of the greenest offenses I can ever remember in the playoffs. Is the Seattle defense good? <laughs> the rookiest. Rookiest. Is the Seattle defense good? No. 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 Is the the Eagles offense has been hanging on by a thread and it's been it's been making I mean, beautiful work out of scrap pieces. And all the credit to Doug Peterson, all the credit to Mike Grow. Tremendous work there. But, I mean, Clowney's going to play. Quandre Diggs is going to play. This Eagles team was barely able to move it against Seattle last last time they played. The big difference between that game and now is that the Eagles are stopping trying to throw the ball down the field, and they just check it down and screen it down like there's no tomorrow. They're going to keep the Seahawks in base. Michael Hendricks isn't going to be playing, so they're going to get rookie linebacker Cody Barton on the field. They're going to try to attack him uh, with, with with their weak side option stuff and with their spacing, with snag, with screen routes, and they're going to try to pick on the linebackers. Bobby Wagner's not been great in coverage this year for all the wonderful talent that he has. So that's what they're going to try to do, but they're not going to be able to push the ball down the field, so they're going to need to generate those huge drives. Meanwhile, Eagles defense has been quote unquote playing better, but they still get burned on the outside like really consistently. Their corner play is not good. Now, obviously, Josh Gordon is out. Uh, we understand that, but DK Metcalf is still going to be in and still going to be healthy. And then somehow Tyler Lockett like broke his knee and still is playing. Like, I have no idea how Lockett is healthy, but he is. Um, so they're, they're going to have their outside receivers even at a better capacity than they had them when they beat the Eagles last time. The Seahawks left a ton of plays on the field last time in Philadelphia. They should have beaten the Eagles by like 20. They beat them by like six. Um, it's going it, to – I I understand why people are down on Seattle, but this is the better quarterback in the better offense against a team that just does not belong here, even with the four wins to get in here. So to me – I would say Seattle. Oh, wow. I just wanted to hear you yeah. say it. I just wanted to hear you say it. No, no, no. Seattle is winning this game. Um, if the Eagles win, it's 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 nothing but Philly magic, if, if that exists, which is weird because Eagles fans would probably tell me that they're much more cursed than, uh, than blessed. But if the Eagles win this game, it's just because it's at home. They've got the crowd behind them. They find this kind of inner motivation to really play above a level that they've been playing all season. Because, if yeah, if you just look at this game in a vacuum, the Seahawks took the NFC's number one seed and one of the best teams in the NFL to the wire last week. So um, it's not like the Seahawks are reeling. Russell Wilson is obviously a, a guy who... Even if he's got his back against the wall at some point, you can never count this dude out. So that's, I think, the big danger for the Eagles is that even if the Eagles catch fire, the guy on the opposite side is Russell Wilson. And so because of that, I've got to think that that's enough counter for the home field advantage. I do think the Seahawks are just playing the better team. This one should be easy. Well, easy. It's the playoffs. It's the NFL. Nothing's easy, but Seahawks should win this game. So did we... How many did we agree on? We agreed on the Bills. We split on the past Titans. Titans Pats. Agreed on Saints. And agreed on Seahawks. So the only one that we disagreed on was Titans Patriots. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. That'll Imagine be betting on some bum named Thomas Brady in the playoffs. Couldn't it be me. Wow. Ryan Tannehill, a.k.a. Joe Montana. <laughs> I don't know about all that one. 
I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know about uh, Ryan Tannehill being the next Joe Montana. But regardless of whichever team that you're rooting for or whichever team that you picked this week, it's going to be a lot of fun. The NFL playoffs are here. I love this time of year. Obviously, we still have the biggest game in college football coming up. Um, but yeah, I, it's just going to be a jam-packed couple of weekends. The next couple of weekends for football of the utmost importance. Tomorrow, friends, it's the first Man Friday of the new year. We are back at it, taking your questions about what you want to see. It, you know it's going to be a New Year's theme. So it's going to be like a New Year's resolution slash what you're hoping to see from the new year, what you want for Ben and I from the new year, from yourself, from your team, gifts, resolutions, uh, how like things that you want to be different, what you want to see happen in 2020. Get crazy with it. Get crazy with whatever you want us to talk about, answer for questions, of what you want to see in the new year. So Ben and I will be taking your questions on Twitter over the next 24 hours. Make sure you head over to at Tampa Bay Trey or at Benjamin Solak so you can get in on the first show of 2020. Don't miss it. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.